Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is Carrie Lorenz. She is the author of the new book, Span of Control. We are going to talk all about how to find your purpose, uh, how to use that to drive and organize all of your thoughts and yourself, and uh, basically just how to take all of the lessons that she learned being the very first female uh, F-14 pilot for the Navy. That's right. She is a an amazing Navy pilot, the top tier, the best of the best, better than all the rest. I mean, we're this, it's top gun. She's top gun. You know, she, she's a maverick and ice man, but she was the first woman to do it. Uh, and she is going to talk about the lessons she learned and how to impl- apply them to your life, how to get the best from your life the same way a Navy pilot gets the best from themselves. That is what we're talking about today. It is a very engaging conversation, and I'm very excited to bring it to you. I also have two quick pieces of intelligence. You can uh, put them in your pocket, take them around, share them with your friends, whatever you want to do. But first, a quick word from our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. This part of Intelligence for Life, the podcast, is presented by Rocket Mortgage. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. All right, here we go. Thank you, to everybody. Here we go with a couple quick pieces of intelligence. First off, I'm very excited about this. Coffee makes us smarter, better, and faster. Researchers from UC Santa Barbara tested the mental and physical effects of caffeinated coffee. And here are the immediate benefits of drinking just one cup. You'll work more quickly. Coffee speeds up your reaction time so you can follow a train of thought more quickly and translate those thoughts into words or actions more quickly. Coffee also improves vision. It dilates your pupils, allowing more light to reach the retina. That allows you to better differentiate shapes like faces in a room or letters on a page. And finally, the caffeine in coffee also increases your adrenaline, which boosts the immune system. Basically, adrenaline preps your body for an attack, temporarily making your immune system more effective, increasing your ability to fight off infections. Uh, You're never going to hear any negative things about coffee from me. And here's a bunch of positive things. It is a superfood. It is one of the only superfoods that's in our standard diet, the standard Western diet or the standard American diet, a.k.a. SAD. Uh, So, you know, coffee, I'm I'm a big coffee fan. Okay, here we go. One more thing. If you're wondering if people are actually listening to you in person, Zoom call, whatever, look at their eyelids. If the person you're talking to is blinking more than usual, their mind is starting to wander. That's according to Canada's University of Waterloo. When the brain feels it's being overwhelmed by too much information, it tries to regain focus by shutting out visual input, which makes people blink more often. So there you go. Look for people's blinking, drink more coffee, and you will be living a more intelligent life. And now here we go. I'm very excited to bring this to you. My interview with Carrie Lorenz. (laughs) Carrie Lorenz, first female F-14 Tomcat fighter pilot in the Navy, but most importantly, author of the new book, Span of Control, What to Do When You're Under Pressure, Overwhelmed, and Ready to Get What You Really Want. Thank you so much for being a part of our show today. We really appreciate it. Oh, gosh. I'm happy to be here. Uh, so let, let's dive right in. Like, first of all, you know, we all we were talking before we started about like Top Gun and, and being a Navy pilot and, and all, of the, all of the drama that, that kind of goes into that uh, natively. But your, your book basically takes the lessons you learn from that high pressure, high leverage situation uh, and applies it to, to our life and how do we can get what we, the, the most that we want out of life from this. So uh, I guess kind of like take us through how you can apply those, those lessons. What are the, what are the, main, the main points that you, that you glean? Oh, gosh. So, yeah, it's interesting. I spent about just under 10 years as a Navy fighter pilot planning, executing and debriefing really complex missions. 
But for the last 30 years, I've actually been working with all sorts of high performers and researching, you know, how do the best get to be the best, whether it's in military aviation, in business, with Olympic athletes, and in all of these different environments, people who are striving for more, who are looking to make a greater contribution. One of the things that I discovered early on is that no matter your situation, the best way that you can lead yourself or even be the best leader that you can be is to build your ability to work through fear Mm. and then do what needs to be done in spite of that fear. But then in the last, you know, five, seven years, certainly one of the other themes, if you will, is this idea of, you know, what do you do when you run into turbulence? What do you do Mm. when you feel vulnerable at times? Uh, Because, (laughs) There is no doubt we're living in a pretty uh, chaotic time right now, one filled with uncertainty and and for some people, overwhelming chaos and even even a good handful of fear there. And the biggest challenge, the biggest opportunity of the moment right now is really learning how we can overcome our circumstances instead of being overwhelmed by them. Right. So this this idea of span of control isn't from a business perspective or an organizational chart of thinking about who manages who or who do you report to, but it's this idea of understanding that in order to be successful and whatever success looks like for you, whether that's, you know, achieving something in your professional life or finding a little more peace or a little more serenity, We have to figure out what are the things we can control, what are the things we should control, and understand that everything else, it's, it's just a distraction. So we have to be able to figure out what do we want to focus on that matters most, how do we formulate a plan for success, and then how do we communicate what's possible, not only for ourselves, for our family, for our teammates, for our friends. Oh, which 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 aligns obviously very closely with 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 the kind of I mean you, you do with the kind of skill set that you get from from flying planes, right? Like you, you talk about, uh, which I, get, I also understand. Like that's the title, span of control. So you have you really do have to evaluate what is in the realm of what you can control versus what you just have to react to. Um, let's talk a bit. You start with this idea of dealing with uh, performing while being afraid, not in spite of being Mm -hmm. afraid or, or Mm -hmm. uh, not, not like avoiding the fear, but how, and I think a lot of us live in fear and uncertainty. If I do this, it's going to be the wrong choice. If I do that, it's going to be the wrong Mm -hmm. choice. And then you become paralyzed and you take the path of least resistance. I think that is, that defines a lot of people in the world, not just through adversity, but just in general, like we just find the path of least resistance normally because fear presents itself as resistance. So how, how do you begin to work the muscle that gets you to uh, not just live in fear, or, uh, but actually thrive in a state of fear? So that's a great question. So one of the things that I have found to be really consistent is that when we are, let's just call it on the outside, looking in at those people that we think are high performers, mm-hmm. whether that's a fighter pilot, a business owner, a uh, Olympic athlete, a gymnast, 
human nature, you know, as a defense mechanism, we tell ourselves, oh, they must be luckier or they must be better at this or be better resourced Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the, whatever the coping mechanism that we all have of that's not, you know, there, there's something magical about them that allows them to do something so spectacular. And if you, you know, bringing it back to my world for just two seconds here, landing a high speed, fighter on an aircraft carrier at night Mm -hmm. is one of the most dangerous things you can do in all of aviation, all of aviation. So there is a, there is a very big difference between the skills that are required from processing, from managing stress to how do you focus? How do you prioritize? How do you deal with extreme information overload, technical overload, uh, being scared, right? It's scary when you're, when you're trying to land on an aircraft carrier at night, what oftentimes people don't know because, and there's no reason they wouldn't necessarily have ever even thought this through when you're hundred miles or 150 miles offshore and it's at night and there's no moon, you cannot see anything. Right. You walk up to the flight deck of that aircraft carrier and you put your hand out, you are shaking it because you can't even see your hand it is so perfectly pitch black. So even for experienced fighter pilots, even for the most senior aviators, night carrier landings are very humbling. It's never easy. It never should be, right? Mm-hmm. And the only way you get better at it is continuing to push yourself through that fear, through that stress, through the task overload that then allows you to develop a little more strength, a little more courage, and even a little more confidence in yourself and your team to do it again the next time. And the good news about that is that it is learning how to focus on what matters. It's Mm. understanding how to navigate that uncertainty and the uncontrollables. And again, maybe even tragedies on occasion that are a learnable skill set that's accessible to us all. And it shouldn't be a secret. That's why this whole idea of span of control, I mean, I am so excited about it. I, about three years ago, when I was going through a really challenging time personally, mm-hmm. uh, my mom had, had gotten really sick, fell incredibly ill. And just as a side note, was never a huge fan of tattoos. She came from a generation that right. Not real big fans. Right. And I'd always told her ever since I was little, oh, someday I want to get a tattoo. And she was like, no, don't do that. You know, what if you change your mind? Mm -hmm. And seven years ago, my second daughter, I said, hey, I want you to draw a design for me. Come up with a design for me that represents span of control, but it has to be decorative. And I just want to know what it means. And I carried this tiny little drawing around in my wallet with me for four years uh, knowing that I wanted to get it as a tattoo, as mm-hmm. a reminder. And I also didn't want to disappoint my mom. <laughs> um, so, but there came a point in time where, uh, she was surprisingly, um, uh, she fell ill. She was, ended up being diagnosed in a very short period of time with stage four cancer. And it was in the middle of a really onerous work schedule for me. And I got this little tattoo 
the exact size and scale that my daughter drew on the inside of my wrist. And when I was in the hospital, um, I had a little bandaid over it, but it was one of those clear ones that they mm-hmm, put over mm-hmm, tattoos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was trying to kind of hide my hand from my mom. And all of a sudden <laughs> it caught her eye and she was like, what is that? And I showed it to her and I explained it to her and she was like, that's really, that's beautiful. That's a good idea. You need to talk about that more. Um, but it is this idea of when, you know, when you're overwhelmed, when you're overloaded, when you, when you think you can't take another step, how do you focus on those things that you can control right, so that right. you never reach the point of debilitating task overload or task overwhelm that then you are unrecoverably burned out right? or your spirit is broken? Right. I mean, I think that's, you know, first of all, beautiful story about the the tattoo with your mom. But I think, you know, for me, the real takeaway is how do you how do you stop this before you get that overwhelmed, paralyzing feeling that so many people get? Because I think a lot of us, we feel we we get that trapped feeling of just, uh, you know, you you call it you're calling it task overload, where it's just I don't, I don't even know what the next thing to do is because there's so much to do and I don't know what the right move is for anything. Um, how do you apply that notion? Cause like for, you know, for, for, for landing a plane, it seems like the, the priority task is obvious and maybe it's not, but as an, as a lay person, it seems, it seems obvious, uh, you know, focus, find, find the, find the runway, aim for the runway, make sure your angle of attack is right. And, 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 and that's, you know, that is what it is. But, but how do you begin to apply that to the sort of overwhelm that we have in life and then and and how much we are asked to multitask because i know that's um that's another big part of your of your thing is that is that we don't uh, that multitasking is just not something we can do well right well and that's a fair question and you would think that well land the airplane safely would be an easy thing to do but when you are sitting in a high performance aircraft surrounded by 300 well, i don't think i don't think it's easy wait <laughs> i want to make it clear i don't think it's easy to do i thought i, I would i'm making the argument that to the lay person the uh the order of tasks seems uh obvious but i don't mm. understand i don't understand sure. it probably i don't think it's easy to land a, i don't think it's easy to land an aircraft at all i've never done it i can't even land you know video game aircrafts uh so i i definitely see the, the difficulty there i just i just think that the ability to prioritize your tasks seems more obvious in that situation than it does for a lot of us in everyday life now i'm sure that's not the case but but uh, it just seems that way right so the you would think that that would be intuitive and that that it would become a very natural flow, Mm -hmm. uh, but it is not because no different than, you know, whether you're airborne or you're here on earth, everything is conspiring to work against you. Your attention is getting pulled in a million different Mm -hmm. directions. When you think about whether you're flying a commercial airliner or a military airplane, think about any time you've watched a movie or if you've flown before and you hear the bells and whistles and the dings, All of those are intentional attention grabbers, Mm. pulling your attention, redirecting it. And in my airplane, I had, you know, 350 switches and dials. I had three different radios that people would be talking to me at the same time on different frequencies. So you're trying to synthesize all of this information that hopefully you're still able to make the best decision that allows you to land successfully or insert your achieve a successful outcome. Mm -hmm. But the environment at the same time, again, is conspiring to overwhelm you. 
And one of the most important things, the foundational skills that we that we skip over and that where the military has spent decades trying to teach people to recognize the signs of a crisis, the signs of overwhelm, again, whether it's technical skill overload, too much data, um, you know, when it's what happens when your brains are getting pulled in a million different directions and then maybe you inadvertently focus on only one single thing in a survival attempt to regain control. Mm-hmm. And what happens is right now, so many of us have bit off on uh, that we think we're really good multitaskers, right? right? We right. see it. People are people are literally walking into light poles as they're answering texts. Yep. They, you're on a Zoom meeting now or on a WebEx call, and and you can hear the right. Sure. Of somebody who doesn't mute their microphone sure. and you know they're answering other emails. And what happens is that when we're diluting our focus, we're diluting our power. And mm. multitasking is a, is a myth because every time we are not pri- we are not intentionally prioritizing and determining which at- items or actions or activities are the most important to us, there is a significant mental and physical energy that is sucked away from us Mm -hmm. while we're multitasking. And it's not the old goldfish has a nine second attention span. It's that every time you toggle back and forth between tasks, it slows down and even derails your progress or your ability to focus for almost 30 minutes. Now that's science. Right, right. I've I've heard this. That is brain science. Yeah. Right. So when you are sitting there and somebody just pops up really quickly on Slack or you're trying to do some sort of deep thinking or you're trying to problem solve something or you have three kids or four kids at home all virtual schooling or Mm -hmm. homeschooling Mm -hmm. and you're like you're trying to do a meeting and you turn to answer them, that can actually set you back. Not 30 seconds it takes you to answer. You are preaching. You are preaching to the choir right now. Yes, I know. And it's exhausting. Exhausting. we were like, well, I'm taking my multivitamins. I'm trying to eat more <laughs> plants and fruits and vegetables. Why am I so darn tired all the time? And it's because we that task switching mm-hmm. is draining mm-hmm. our mental energy. And because we've been lulled into thinking we can be really good multitaskers. Right. And none of us are. None of us are. So there are some things that we can do. One of the things I I share with people as a technique or a trick, uh, when you're in extremis or you can feel something all of a sudden uh, going sideways, Mm -hmm. right? The stuff is hitting the fan. Right. And you either want to cry, you want to find some ding-dongs or ho-hos, or you just want to back away and and like not deal with any of it. You just named my two favorite stress-eating things, by the way. (laughs) Carbs are your friend, but... (laughs) in moderation. Um, but I call it hacking the clock. And what, what happens is oftentimes when we're really panicked, we get time compressed and that time seems to really speed by out of control. And we tend to make bad decisions in most military airplanes and even most commercial airplanes. There is an old school clock that is about maybe two inches round and it's somewhere on the dashboard. And when every electronic system goes kaput, that clock is still going to work. And what we do when we when we say hack the clock, hack the clock, it means for just a second, stop what you're doing and hit the clock starter. 
because what happens is it starts a timer. And so it forces us to intentionally slow things down. We get our airplane wings level, right? Or wings up. And it provides an, an, uh, an immediate physical action that changes the panic habit that gives us a, an ability, even just in that moment, to regain control. And then it triggers either maybe a memorized checklist or the next step of, okay, hang on a second. What's the solution? Let, let's not just emotionally respond to this. Let's not scramble. Let's not panic. Let's mm -hmm. not run around like chickens with our heads cut off. Let's just take a breath. And what that does is, again, scientifically, it stops our brain from entering that hard uh, fight, flight, or freeze response that is a valid protective survival response but only for a very short period of time. And we're looking for long-term success. And right, whether right, right, is, right. It's defined by the next minute, the next seven minutes, or the next seven days. So hacking the clock gives us a, a second to assess the situation, to slow it down, figure out what, what our top priority is, ask questions, figure out the scope of the problem, mm -hmm. and then keep taking the next step. So it it's a physical response that allows you to better address the situation and not get bogged down in letting your emotions hijack your amygdala. Sure. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, so, so, I mean, you know, the, the, air, the cockpit is designed to hit you with all of those things that need your attention because they need your attention and you have to figure out how to prioritize a B or C. And, and I get that. I feel like we live our lives now. Like we've, you know, we all have, uh, a thousand devices that that vie for our attention in the same way that a cockpit does. I mean, a lot of these things were actually designed after the cockpit uh, to get the same kinds of uh, of dings and attention and and uh, a, a dopamine boost that that the cockpit is supposed to give you. Uh, how do we, you know, how do we deal with that kind of overload all the time? Uh, you you were getting that at a high priority situation, mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. think now we live our lives in that sort of frazzled state. Is the is the setting the clock thing enough just to hit hit that thing and and let us and and let us focus on the amount of time that that we are spending dealing with this crisis? Is that the key? Well, yes, and or it's definitely going to be a yes if. I highly encourage people, and I don't want to sound like some old person going, oh, you kids these days. <laughs> uh, we we all have so many different apps, and to your point, notifications, dings, bells, and whistles, and our, our attention, it is Pavlovian because every single app that you have on your phone mm -hmm. is trying to claim your attention. Yep. And that doesn't matter if it's a Google notification, uh, TikTok, Snapchat. In the, in the same way that your systems on the airplane are trying to get your attention. Every way, yeah. every way. So I can share with you, and I have four kids that are now 24, 22, 19, and 17. So they they have all grown up, and especially my oldest with this huge transition from not having technology mm -hmm. to this weapon and or mm -hmm. asset in their hand or their pocket all of the time. Yep. And I highly encourage people to consider with the exception of maybe your direct family, or if you have kids or loved ones, you know, don't turn off their little text notification mm -hmm. or give them a specific ringtone, turn off every single other push notification. 
there's nothing else that should be popping up on your phone. Mm. You know, Instagram, you'll see when your family and friends post a great recipe or Mm. you can go in and search that out. TikTok, Snapchat, thing, thing, same thing. Slack, I know it lets a lot of teams work really well together, but Mm -hmm. I can hear people even that I'm talking to, you hear the chime or, oh, hey, someone just popped up. Oh, hey, someone just popped up. Mm -hmm. And if you realize every time that that just glancing real quick at your phone is stealing 25 to 30 minutes of your focus, that should be enough to get you to change a habit for a little bit. Now, mindful of the fact that when you start turning off those dings and notifications and push notifications, you are going to go through probably, I kid you not, a three to seven day withdrawal period. Crazy, Crazy. yeah. (laughs) And you feel like you're missing out and the most important things are happening and you don't know about them or what if somebody can't get in touch with me? Um, but they can, we all survived for decades with picking up the phone or, you know, it's, it's the old adage of if you, if you respond in an instant to every Slack message, every email, the second it hits your inbox or your channel, you are now training people that you are available 100% of the time. Right. And it's that lack of boundaries or the feeling that if we don't answer, people think we're not being productive. If we don't answer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's going to be a problem or they're going to judge me. You're training people how to treat you and you will burn out. You mm-hmm. will. It is simply not manageable. So yeah. turn off those notifications or the majority of them and give it a couple of weeks. And you'll probably realize I actually didn't need to have all those on. And I'm actually a little bit happier not yeah. seeing it every seven seconds pop up. I mean, interestingly enough, you know, I, just naturally, we are going through your book chapter by chapter. <laughs> we were just talking, oh. you know, we, we were just we were just talking about like we define span of control. We've gotten into the the uh, multitasking is a myth, and now we're talking about burnout. Like it's literally the first three chapters of your book we have we have gone through here by accident, just by naturally talking about it, which I think which I think is 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 apt, right? So, like to your point we become inundated with these notifications and eventually it burns us out. Like we cannot maintain that level of hypervigilance for, for that much time. You know, you gotta, you gotta land the plane and get out of the plane and get away from the cockpit for a little while. Like you, you Mm -hmm. have to do that. That's Mm -hmm. the only way you're going to survive as a pilot. You got to get on the ship and, and, and decompress. I actually did a tour of um, the, the one, I think it was the intrepid, the one in in New York. Yes. And you go through the whole, the whole aircraft carrier and you see how much of the aircraft carries actually it it doesn't prioritize the captain of the ship it doesn't prioritize the admiral of the fleet who also stays on the aircraft carrier it prioritizes the comfort safety and and flow of the pilots because uh, because you guys are the you're the reason for that for that being there and for that ship being in that in that situation and you're having the most stress as you guys go you you had a well, reaction uh, yeah. No, the only thing I would push back on is the the word comfort. And it kind of makes me chuckle inside because I don't <laughs> think there's anything comfortable for anybody sure, on sure, an aircraft sure. carrier. But, but 100% you're right. And what's fascinating for anybody who has the opportunity uh, to either visit the Intrepid or uh, the Midway in San Diego does a wonderful job. It's a great museum, great docents, just amazing stories there. Is that you realize, yes, it is the one purpose of an aircraft carrier is simply the safe to support the safe launching and recovering of airplanes. 
24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And yet, as much as I would like to think that because I'm a fighter pilot, the world revolves around me. Mm -hmm. And for some of you listening, you may have run into a couple of fighter pilots who actually think that. I mean, Iceman and Maverick, they were, they're mm, the epitome of it. Kick right? the tires and light the fires. Right? Not to bring it to it's, Top Gun. Yeah, it's not true. It takes an entire team to mm -hmm. do that. Everybody from those who work in food service, who are in the maintenance division, who work in hospital, who work in administration, that everything, because every one of those people who works, you know, in that small floating city of 5,000 are equally as overwhelmed as we are, mm -hmm. just in a different way. So it's a challenge and it's a it's a true leadership challenge because um, record screecher, the average age on an aircraft carrier is 19 Crazy. to 19 and a half years old. Crazy. It's an extraordinary leadership challenge. It's an extraordinary operational challenge, a safety challenge. And, and we don't get it perfect all the time. We clearly do not. But most of the time, and with good leadership, we're able to get people oriented around that purpose and that vision so that everybody on that team understands why they're a valued member. Mm. And what can happen under less than optimum leadership or, and all it takes is a couple of people mm -hmm. is that if they're not recognizing those signs of distress, if they're not taking the time to get to know their people, walking around, asking them questions, staying curious, looking out for them, then that's when the burnout happens under, under great leadership where people feel valued and they know why they matter those are the people that will go to the map for you. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that clearly in the military, we can't incentivize people with money, but we can with purpose right? and with, with people truly feeling valued, not just some hokey motivational Instagram poster saying, right, 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 right. right. So is the key to surround yourself with people? I mean, I understand that like we can take this metaphor as the different parts of yourself, right? You need to have the prefrontal cortex, man, personal management element that you're talking about of like giving yourself that sort of vision and accountability of leadership and lead your own life instead of being reactive. But also, you know, is the, is the key to also surround yourself with those kinds of people that, that will uh, look out and see those holes like you were talking about? Oh, for sure. I mean, there, there is nothing that is more impactful, I think, on the direction of your life than, and you know, most of us have heard this, is the five people you surround yourself with, mm -hmm. right? If you, if you are surrounded right now by people or family members, or you might find yourself sliding into the habit of complaining, of not being happy with anything, not being solutions oriented. It's not that having a great attitude guarantees your success. It's that having a negative attitude squashes your ability to adapt. Mm. That's key, right? So again, this is not about just finding ways that we can be all Mm, you know, hashtag blast. So glad to be here. All butterflies and unicorns, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that because that, that doesn't work for the majority of us, but it is finding our purpose. It is, it is being a good wingman, right? <laughs> because all of us, 
all of us are going to hit adversity at some period in our life, right? And if you haven't, if you're someone right now, you're like, hey, I don't really run into anything tragic. Well, brace yourself because it's going to happen. Right. You are going to run into your life's crucible. I Mm -hmm. don't know what that looks like for you and what might be your crucible could be different than mine, but we have to figure out and understand that adversity will introduce you to yourself. And it's during those tough times that if you understand how to even keep staying resilient or build resiliency through that adversity can actually actually make you stronger. And if you're not going through a hard time right now, that's awesome. So maybe now is a great time to try to build some resiliency either within yourself or, or with your team. Um, and how do you, you know, how can you even do that? It's, it goes back to what we just talked about, right? It's, it's recognizing it's, it's not becoming a victim. It's recognizing that we're all going to suffer at Mm -hmm. some point Mm -hmm. and it isn't fluffy thinking, but it's understanding that you actually have to position roadblocks and setbacks as challenges to overcome rather than something that will be forever devastating or it's going to be hard to bounce back. Sure. It's going to be hard to continue. Um, especially when you might be settled in a time right now or a period of time where it's been tough for months right. and right. and you feel like you have a right to wallow. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you have permission you, to just be permission, yeah, yeah. right. But if you do that, if you let that despair, if you let your current crucible paralyze you, if you get stuck in what feels like it's shockingly unfair, then you're not going to be able to rise above and through that occasion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's understanding that even that just the notion and and the idea of span of control of how how can you make better decisions? How can you just take a breath and go, okay, what happened happened. Mm-hmm. What's next? And then we're gonna you know we're gonna try to identify what matters most to us. What can we control? Grab a wingman, right? (laughs) Grab a wingman because, you know, somebody who's going to listen to you, who's going to let you maybe complain for a little bit, and then who can say to you, okay, what next? Right. What next? What can you do next? What one step? What one small action? Because again, you know what, back to the science, when, when we're shrouded in uncertainty, when we're covered or feeling like we're paralyzed by that fear, um, action conquers fear and your mood follows action every single time. And, you know, again, going back to what, what people assume, what either does happen or doesn't happen to fighter pilots or other high performers, Mm -hmm. um, that, that fear of failure, the fear of uncertainty is actually one of the most universally paralyzing oh, things. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We all suffer from. Yeah. Right? We all suffer from it, fighter pilots included. And what happens is that when you start feeling that, intuitively our first response is self-protect and we mm-hmm. cross our arms and we go, "Nope. Mm-hmm. I'm not going first. Right. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to take a step. I'm not going to look around the corner. I'm going to let those other people go first and see how it works for mm-hmm. them." But if we stay stuck for too long, if we don't just write down maybe one or two things or a couple of things we, that we can control, or even just a, a simple plan of what are a few things I can do, then 
I can guarantee you, you are going to pass up valuable opportunities, opportunities to make an impact, opportunities to bring somebody up and out of the tar pit with you um, while you're waiting because you're allowing yourself to be crushed and paralyzed by that fear. And there is a path forward. There's always a path forward. Um, Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but there's always a path forward. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about, we can do the whole book, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get lost in the, in the weeds here. I want people to still buy the book. So we're we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about, uh, how to find that one thing that keeps you grounded, how to find that, that purpose and, and that ability to get through these, these hard times. So a uh, quick break and then we'll be right back. Okay. We're back with Carrie Lorenz and, uh, I, I want to talk about finding purpose and how, that can uh, that can create the kind of focus that we've been talking about. I mean, you're, the whole second section of your book is talking about how mindset matters, and um, and again, I don't want to give away the whole book, but the chapters are your purpose, stay rooted in reality, grow your growth mindset, make good decisions. And we've kind of circled around this, but uh, but I really want to get to that place where you understand your purpose and 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 how you begin to. Because I think, like you said, we're distracted all the time. What is our main goal and how do we do, give us the tools so that we can start figuring out what that driving force is that pulls us through? Uh, you know, what is making sure the plane, what is the making sure the planes take off and come back safely mm-hmm. for ourselves? Yeah. So one, one of the things I'm going to start off really quickly with, with a couple of things, ideas around purpose that I actually am not a super fan of. Uh, one of the notions is oftentimes you'll hear people say, or you will hear it said, uh, as long as you find your purpose, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, I am going to push back on that so hard. You'll fall off the dock (laughs) because that's simply not true. It's simply not true. And I think what that sets a lot of people up for is failure in the sense that they're longing for a purpose and they feel like if they're not happy all the time or that things are grinding or gritty or not fun, that that's not it. Oh, yeah. So, right. And, and people, and, people and, apply this to their relationships, too. Like if it's yes. your true love, it should be easy. And and, and not, not saying that it has to be hard all the time, but it, what it does is it makes us think that any resistance is is anathema to our purpose. Yes. And that we're bound for, for certain failure, right? And might as well tap out now, which is a catastrophic way to think about things. And the you know, I even share with my kids, I'm like, Hey, the only way you're actually going to find your purpose or, or work with an organization that you believe will help you fulfill your purpose and, and allow you to serve other people is by doing a lot of different things. And it's only through the doing of different things that you end up figuring out what Mm. success looks like Mm. for you. Mm. So part of these are all, you know, it's this idea of, staying proactive of being intentional and research shows us that that both on an individual level and an organizational level that a sense of purpose is the single most important factor in your success especially during times of overwhelm and uncertainty so how do you get even that sense of agency Mm -hmm. or feeling like you have some control if you're like, Hey, that's great. But my job is not going to be my life's work. Mm -hmm. I I feel lost. I feel overwhelmed. It goes back to the post-it note trip where in trick in the morning, before you ever turn on your phone, 
um, maybe right after you fire up, you know, water for your tea or a pot of coffee, whatever the case may be, write down your top three most important things for you to focus on for the day. You don't get five, you don't get seven. I don't care if you're running a million dollar mm-hmm. company mm-hmm. or you are just starting out. You get three. Um, and don't kid yourself. This isn't easy. It's going to take a few minutes to be reflective and honest with yourself. What are the three most important things you should be focusing on? And then, you know, keep that post-it note where you're going to see it. Maybe it's on the back of your phone that you're about to slide in your pocket. Maybe it's on your desktop or mm-hmm. your laptop or on your dashboard. If you are a long haul trucker, who knows? But put it where you can see it so that you see that 10, 15, 20, you know, 45 times during the day so that you're constantly reorienting on and being intentional on what you're doing. And what that allows you to do is it it builds your ability to focus. It Mm -hmm. builds your powers of concentration. And that's a muscle, right? That's not something you can just wish or will to happen. And it, it allows you to start becoming more present in the moment Mm. and, it, that capacity to focus will start to bleed into in a positive way, other areas of your life. So again, this is not about happy go lucky butterflies and unicorns. Those are great little stickers for Mm -hmm. maybe your child's wall. It's not a great way to navigate life with consistency and, or even being grounded. Um, so that's one of the, that's one of the tools or techniques that, that I have found to be extremely impactful in getting yourself back to the place of feeling like you have some control. So uh, just having that uh, sort of Occam's razor of your three number one things for the day would just kind of gives you that back, gives you back that, that control. That's, is it, it, it's as simple as prioritizing first thing in the morning. It is. And this isn't just a tasker list, if you will, like pick up laundry, stop the grocery store, feed right. the dog, right? right. Though That's part of life. Like you have to do those things eventually. But it's those things that you have identified for you. What are the things that I can do that I can focus on that will drive the needle mm-hmm. somehow? And whether that means you know what, maybe I need, maybe I need to find another podcast to listen to. Maybe Mm -hmm. I can take three minutes to read a page of a book that has been sitting on my shelf, something that feeds you Mm. that then again, allows you to find your footing in what is really a chaotic time right now for, for a lot of people actually. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, uh, I mean, look, I, I think we, like we've talked about ad nauseum today, we are inundated with things that are insisting that they are the priority for us. Uh, we are uh, we are inundated with with the bells and whistles of all of the systems that are quote unquote failing on our on our on our Tomcats as we're trying to land our planes. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think just you know giving us the tools to be able to unpack that stuff, to be able to uh, uh, you know figure out what really needs our attention versus, uh, you know, versus what, what is just asking for our attention and, and shouldn't be a priority. It's something that I think we, it's, it's a set of skills that we all really need right now. And, um, you know, I think again, the, the book is span of control. You can find it, uh, a link to where to buy it in the show notes. So you guys can all pick up a copy and, and really, um, you know, get this, <laughs> how many millions of dollars did they spend training you? Oh gosh, several, but collectively over the last 30, 40 years, uh, probably billions of dollars 
trying to help people stay safe, mm-hmm. make good decisions, and bring everybody back home safely yeah. as well. So think of it. You, you get the benefit of billions of dollars mm-hmm. of training uh, and how to apply it to your life. So check out the book, Span of Control. Again, link in the show notes. Carrie Lorenz, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. I have two last questions that I want to ask you. Aside from buying the book, what? Uh, how can people follow up with you? Oh, gosh. Uh, You can find me on all the social media channels. Well, pretty much LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love Instagram. I love people's stories. It's unfiltered. It's fun. Show me your pets. Show me your kids. Mm -hmm. That's always fun. And always CarrieLorenz.com. Okay. Link to to your Instagram, your LinkedIn, and your website in the show notes. One last question I ask it to everybody. What is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? Focus on what matters most. Don't don't let. I loved your word about everything else. Insisting that that it, whatever it may be, gets our attention. Mm. Focus on what matters most. Yeah, that one. It's, you know what? <laughs> not that everything is about movies for me, but there's. Uh, you remember City Slickers? Mm-hmm. That's literally what Curly. That's Curly's advice to Mitch. You know, uh, Curly Jack Palance and Mitch is um, uh, Billy Crystal. Uh, and he goes, you know, the one thing is, what's that one thing is that's what you got to figure out, but you find that one thing and nothing else matters. It's fine. Find that most important thing. Mm-hmm. Well, span of control can give that to you. There you go. 100%. Carrie Lorenz. <laughs> right. <laughs> always a, always B, B, C closing, always be closing. Carrie Lorenz, there thank you, you so much for your time today. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. That's it for our show today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, It helps us out a lot. If you'd like to follow up with us, we are online. You can find us at facebook.com slash John Tesh, at John Tesh underscore IFYL on Instagram. And I'm Gib Gerard. Find me at facebook.com slash Gib Gerard or uh, at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every message about the show, every DM, uh, everything that gets talked about because ultimately I do the show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening.